Hi, I'm James Anderson Foster, and you're listening to Who's Afraid, a weekly podcast of awesome serialized horror fiction written by amazing authors, performed for you by professional narrators, and brought to you by SerialAudio.com. It's totally binge-worthy. Chapter 7 Ted didn't have time to think or react. When he saw the slovenly bodyguard standing at the door, his body took over. He punched the man in the face in one fluid motion, stepping out of the way as he collapsed to the floor in a heap. Blood dripped on the tile from his broken nose. My God, Julie said. You knocked him out cold. I've never punched anyone in my life, he said, suddenly feeling like a superhero. Julie reached out and twisted the latch on the door. It opened silently into a rear alley clogged with garbage and broken furniture. Rats scurried away from the commotion as Ted and Julie splashed onto the wet asphalt. Behind them came the muffled shouts of Jack's men. Ted turned and watched them tumble from a hidden door in the wall. The sick bastards had a network of passages behind the walls of the private rooms where they could watch the festivities. Ted watched one man button his jeans frantically, tucking his erection into a pair of filthy jeans. He frowned and slammed the kitchen door behind him. To his right sat a large metal dumpster overflowing with soggy garbage bags. It has wheels, Ted exclaimed. Help me push. Julie joined Ted at the side of the dumpster and braced her bare shoulder against the cold steel. They were both pleasantly surprised when the dumpster rolled freely. Five feet in the heavy container blocked the bar's only rear entrance. Jack, they're running, a voice shouted. They're running out the back. Heavy blows slammed the other side of the door, but the dumpster didn't budge. Ted figured it gave them a short but very welcome head start. Jack's weathered face appeared at the single window, eyes blazing, spittle glistening in the thick fur around his mouth. He gripped the chicken wire and pushed it, but it stayed fast. Ted was momentarily paralyzed by the all-consuming rage in the man's eyes. You're a dead man, Jack spit. You and the whore. They didn't stay long enough for conversation. They ran to the edge of the alley where it opened out onto the main street and stopped briefly to get their bearings. Tall, vacant buildings surrounded them on either side. Julie hopped up and down on bare feet to keep herself warm as she waited for Ted to make the next move. I have to get my wife, Ted panted. She's a Jack's. Oh no, Julie cried. That's the first place they're going to look. I know that, but I'm not leaving Susan to fend for herself. She's with Jack's wife, sister, whatever the fuck she is. That way, Julie pointed. I think it's that way. They ran up the center of the street, hearing the commotion a block away. Jack's bar had emptied out onto the sidewalk and his clientele were gathering in front of the building. Ted couldn't see them, but there was no mistaking the raucous sound of a lynch mob. We're too exposed, Ted whispered. We have to get off the road. What about there? Julie asked, pointing. A narrow, weedy path ran along the side of the first building in a ramshackle row of houses. Maybe we can cut through the yards. Do people live there? I don't know, she whined. I haven't been outside of the club more than two or three times. 
but I remember that alley. It leads down to the woods. It's worth the risk, I guess, Ted said. Ted led them through the tight passage as Julie tiptoed carefully around scattered fragments of glass. The further they went, the darker it became. Behind them, angry shouts echoed into the night as the throng quickly spread out and searched for their prisoner. At the end of the tight path, Ted pushed on a rotten, wooden gate, and they entered an overgrown yard covered in trash. You really know how to show a lady a good time, Julie said. Ted laughed nervously and scanned the area behind the houses. Halfway down the block, he noticed firelight flickering in one of the yards, but the space appeared empty. If we follow this, it'll take us to Jack's? Ted asked. Julie nodded. I think so. I haven't been outside in so long. She scrunched her toes in the grass inside. God, I almost forgot what this felt like. Ted frowned, nodded, and started wading through the waist-high growth. The wet grass felt good on his sweaty arms, but the rain had begun falling more steadily, quickly turning the sensation into more of an annoyance as they carried on. They approached the fire cautiously, scanning the dark, ready for a fight if necessary. Julie bent and picked up the broken neck of a beer bottle. Any weapon was better than none. She held it in front of her defensively, gritting her teeth. Ted stopped and gasped. They'd stumbled on someone's dinner. What the fuck? Ted cried. A human ribcage sizzled on a large branch like a pig on a spit. Several other choice cuts sat nearby, steaming, filling the air with the pleasant aroma of cooking meat. Ted bent over and vomited, his stomach cramping painfully. It's true, Julie moaned. It's all true. What's true? Ted asked, wiping his mouth. They're cannibals, Julie exclaimed. I've heard stories, but I never saw it with my own eyes. Is this enough proof for you? Ted shouted, suddenly regretting it. I'm sorry. No, I am, Ted said, patting her shoulder. You didn't know. Ted gagged. His mouth watered from the smell of the cooking meat while his mind fought against the reality. His head swam from the alcohol and his skin felt greasy and hot. Come on, Julie said shyly. Jax isn't far. As they crept through the shadows, they heard angry shouts from the street out front. Jack's men were combing the entire area, banging on doors, kicking over garbage cans. It was obvious they'd done this before. They were prepared, organized, conducting a professional grid search. It was only a matter of time before someone noticed the trail of crushed grass they'd left behind. Ted glanced at the rear of one of the houses and saw pale faces pushed up against the cloudy glass, watching them with wide, blank stares. There, Julie panted. That's Jack's. She was right. Ted recognized the two-story building where they'd shared a meal with Jack and Kathy. He gagged again and covered his mouth with his arm. What was in that bowl? What in God's name did they feed us? As they stood hunched behind the porch of the last house, a hollow bell chimed in the distance. It was a constant, booming warble that rattled Ted's teeth in his skull. He'd never heard something so ominous in his life. What is that? he whispered. The church bell, Julie replied. That's where they gather. Gather for what? he whined. Most of the time, to pray and beg forgiveness for their sins. 
most of the time? When it keeps ringing, it only means one thing. Ted opened his eyes wide and held his breath. It's a hunting party. When Susan opened her eyes, she saw only shades of gray. It took a moment for her vision to clear. Her head was on fire from the blow to the face, and she found it difficult to breathe through her swollen nose. She tasted the coppery tang of blood in her mouth. She quickly realized the ringing in her ears was real. That damned church bell was still clanging incessantly, drilling into her brain. Well, look who's awake, Kathy cooed. I thought that knock to the head was going to put you out for good. Fuck you, Susan spat. Her voice was so thick she barely recognized it. Is that any way to treat your host? Susan struggled and noticed her arms and legs were both bound with thick hanks of rope. She was tied to a long metal table covered in a sticky yellow film. Why are you doing this? Susan asked. We have to, honey, Kathy said. This is just our way of life out here. Eat or be eaten. Susan didn't like the sound of that one bit. Sounds like your old man got himself in a bit of trouble, Kathy said, cupping a hand around her ear comically. Bell don't ring this long unless there's something big going down. Susan writhed on the table as the rope bit into her flesh. Her hand slipped around in the slimy goop as Kathy leaned over her with a dripping paintbrush. Susan looked down and saw she was only wearing her bra and panties. It made her sick imagining what the woman had done to her when she was unconscious. Kathy dipped the brush in a cruddy wash bucket and ran it over Susan's arm. She sucked a painful breath through her fractured nose and suddenly recognized the odor. The salty tang of butter. What are you doing? she shrieked. Kathy only laughed and continued slathering Susan's flesh. Butter. The crazy bitch was basting her. You're nuts, Susan screamed, writhing around as much as her bonds would allow. Her head rocked to the side as a heavy fist slammed into her cheek. She looked up groggily and saw Tess standing next to the table, smiling stupidly through a mouthful of brown teeth. What did I tell you about using that word? Kathy asked. We ain't crazy. We just do things a bit differently. Differently? Susan laughed. You're covering me in butter, you fucking monster? Tess hit her again, hard enough for Susan's vision to cloud over. She pushed her tongue against the side of her mouth and felt one of her molars wiggle in the socket painfully. Be careful, Tess, Kathy warned. You know the meat gets sour if you rough them up. Tess nodded and backed away, wringing her massive hands. For her, the beating was the best part. The fight had gone out of Susan. Her head throbbed. Her tense muscles burned. She felt her bladder let go as Kathy angrily tossed the brush in the bucket. Well, that's just great, she said. The nerve of some people. Tess made a rumbling noise that may have been laughter. Ted, Susan moaned. Don't you worry your pretty little head about your old man, Kathy said. I'm sure Jack's taken good care of him. Hell, he might have even gotten him laid by now, she laughed. Jack's very giving when it comes to the girls. Susan had no idea what she was talking about. She couldn't follow the conversation. It was just jumbled nonsense. The rain, the thunder, that goddamn bell. 
Kathy grabbed one of Susan's breasts harshly and giggled. I'm going to enjoy eating these, she said. Susan groaned and cried out weakly. This was not the vacation she'd hoped for. Once Jack gets back with your man, we can get this party started, Kathy said. Why? Susan cried. Why would you do this? Oh, you poor thing, Kathy said. She ran a hand over Susan's hair and brushed it back from her forehead. You really don't know anything about how the real world works. We're not the oddities, dear. You are. We don't eat people, she whined. Just because you don't serve them up for dinner doesn't mean you're not a bunch of hungry vultures. You fight each other for the biggest houses, the fastest cars, the fanciest furniture to put on your finely manicured lawns. You stab each other in the back for the big promotions, throw your friends under the bus just to get ahead. You advertise yourselves like the whores you are, always chasing the illusion of a lost golden era, the American dream. You're hiding behind white picket fences, convincing each other that you're building walls to protect what you've worked so hard for, when in reality all you're doing is hoarding what you've stolen from the weak and less fortunate. The sewers run under your feet just like ours, and they carry the same shit. You're just inclined to think your shit smells better than ours. Let me tell you something, honey, Kathy whispered, leaning in closer. We all have bodies buried somewhere. Yours may be wearing Rolex watches, but they stink just the same. It's not true, Susan said. Not like this. This isn't natural. Natural? Who are you to decide what's natural? That's exactly what I mean. You think you're better than us just because you eat your dinner from fine china plates with fancy expensive silverware. We're still eating, aren't we? Survival isn't based on finery, but your willingness to get your hands dirty. The room rattled as thunder crashed overhead. Kathy grabbed the brush from the bucket and spread a thin layer of butter across Susan's midsection, dabbing it playfully in her navel. Susan had the sinking suspicion that her story would end here, spread out on the table like Christmas dinner, but all she could think of was her last words to Ted. Did she tell him she loved him? She recalled something her mother had told her on she and Ted's wedding day. It was sunny and warm, and by some miracle everything had gone exactly as planned. Minutes before walking down the aisle, her mother had pulled her aside and hugged her as only a mother can. I'm so happy for you her mother had gushed. You look so beautiful. Mom, stop it. I'm going to ruin my makeup. If you remember anything I've ever told you, remember this. Never go to bed angry and never leave a room without saying I love you. It had stayed with her. Sound advice from the one person who meant the most to her. Did I tell Ted I loved him? I love you, she whispered. That's very nice, dear. Kathy cooed, but it's too late for sweet talk. Tess slapped her hard across the cheek, and once again Susan slipped away. Ted and Julie crept to the side of the drugstore, hiding in the shadows. The patrons of the strip joint had gotten closer. No building, no trash can, no tree or bush went unnoticed. If nothing else, the mob was thorough. He couldn't tell how close they were. It was simply too damn dark. The bright bursts of lightning only hurt his ability to adjust to the darkness. His eyes burned with afterimages. 
do we just go in? Julie asked. I don't see another way. When I left her, she was alone with Kathy. How much trouble can one woman be? You'd be surprised. One night at the bar, one of Jack's dancers was getting a little frisky, kissing him, groping him. Kathy usually joined in the fun, but that night she was in rare form and she wasn't having any of it. She broke a bottle over the bar and opened the girl's stomach in one motion. She bled out on the floor holding an armful of her own intestines. You're fucking kidding me. Unfortunately not. She's as crazy as the rest of them. He couldn't wait any longer. Ted darted across the gap between the house and the drugstore, pressing himself against the wet brick, hugging the wall tightly. Julie followed, holding her breasts with her arm as she jogged to meet him. Ted suddenly felt like Charlton Heston, running from the apes and pulling Nova behind him in all her scantily clad glory. He wanted to laugh, but he was afraid if he started he'd never be able to stop. I'm going in first, Ted whispered. You don't have to come with me if you don't want to. This is my responsibility. Are you crazy? You got me out of that damn bar. I owe you my life. If this goes wrong, at least I didn't die in a cage. Ted smiled and nodded. Okay then, here we go. He crept around the edge of the building, scanning the sidewalk in front for any sign of movement. The barrel still burned fiercely, painting the drugstore in flickering orange light. His muscles were tensed, ready to spring into action at the slightest sign of company. He wished that damn bell would stop ringing. Between that, the wind, the thunder, and the steadily falling rain, it made it nearly impossible to hear anyone approaching. Ted slid across the front of the building to the open door and peered into the dimly lit interior. The room was empty. He entered and slowly crept forward, testing the floor for loose boards. If he wasn't careful now, his entire plan would amount to nothing. Where the hell is she? Julie tapped him on the shoulder to get his attention and pointed at the doorway at the back of the room where lantern light glowed dimly. Ted had no idea what they were walking into. How did he know Jack hadn't beaten him here? Was he waiting in the shadows, ready to strangle them both with his massive hands? He walked to the door and cautiously peeked into the darkened room, waiting for his eyes to adjust. The room was empty of furniture. Towers of cardboard boxes were stacked against both walls. There was a smell Ted couldn't immediately identify, one that reminded him of holidays at his grandmother's house. Holding his breath, he crossed the threshold. It was then the gleaming metal table came into view and his wife's motionless body tied to it. He walked forward cautiously, expecting a trap or an ambush. The thought hadn't even fully formed in his mind when Kathy stepped out of the shadows and stopped before him. Julie moaned and turned to run, but instead came face to face with the wall of flesh that was Tess. The giant woman grabbed Julie by her shoulders and flung her into the room. She slid across the floor as her weapon tumbled from her hand and skated into a dark corner. She looked up at Ted apologetically. Look who came for dinner, Kathy cackled. I knew you'd be back. Let her go, Kathy. We didn't do anything to you. Didn't do anything? You're running around with one of Jack's best whores. You stole from us. We don't want to stay here. We're not your fucking prisoners. It's cute you think you have a choice. Kathy walked closer, near enough for Ted to smell the sour sweat pouring off her. 
we're going to start by carving up your pretty little wife. No, he shrieked. Don't you dare touch her. Relax, Kathy said. There'll be plenty to go around. Ted was pushed forward roughly. Tess walked in behind him and shut the door. His first glimpse of the towering form sent shivers up his spine. My daughter, Kathy said proudly. Julie backed away, sliding on her bare rump across the floor and watching the mammoth intently. They were trapped. Something inside Ted snapped. Without thinking, he rushed forward, tackling Kathy and knocking her into a stack of boxes. She fell to the floor with a scream, batting at him with her fists. Ted dug his thumbs into the woman's throat, intent on strangling the life from her. But before he could lock his hands, Tess grabbed him by the arm and tossed him across the floor. While she was distracted, Julie crept behind her and pounced on Tess's back, riding her like the world's ugliest horse, tearing at her face with her fingernails. Tess wailed and reached behind her, trying to yank Julie from her back. Julie tore at her hair, poked at her eyes, punched her in the neck, anything to get an advantage. No, you don't, Kathy shouted. No, you fucking don't. You crazy bitch, Ted raged. He crawled over to Kathy and punched her square in the face, feeling her jaw crack beneath his fist. He straddled the woman's stomach and punched her over and over again as she writhed beneath him. Kill her, Julie screeched. Kill the bitch. Ted didn't need instructions. Over and over again, his fists pummeled Kathy's fear-stricken face. Blood sprayed and spattered his shirt as her nose snapped like a dry twig. One of her eyes had already begun swelling shut. She spit teeth out like sunflower seeds. You crazy bitch, crazy bitch, crazy fucking bitch, he screamed. It became a mantra, timing his blows with his words as he battered her face to hamburger. He heard Julie struggling behind him, but couldn't stop until he knew Kathy wasn't going to get up. Tess wailed as Julie dug a finger into her eye socket and turned it to jelly. Her deflated eye ran down her cheek and plopped wetly to the floor. She backed up and slammed them both into the wall with crushing force. Julie's breath exploded from her lungs and she saw stars swimming before her eyes, but she held on with the rest of her waning energy. Just keep her away, Ted shouted. Don't let her get the upper hand. Don't you think I'm trying? Julie wailed. Ted wrapped his hands around Kathy's throat and applied as much pressure as he could muster. With a crackle, Kathy's windpipe collapsed as she choked and gasped for air. Her one good eye vibrated in her head as she struck Ted's back weakly. Pain exploded in his ribs as Tess kicked out with one massive foot. He flew across the floor, coming to rest at the base of the table. He glanced at Susan and clutched at his bruised ribs, watching as Tess jumped and spun frantically, trying to throw Julie from her shoulders. No, you don't, you filthy monster, Ted shouted. It hurt to talk. He was afraid she'd broken his ribs. He looked at Kathy and watched her twitch out her final breaths, suffocating in her own blood. It was nothing less than what she deserved. Ted braced himself on the metal table, and his fingers grazed the wooden handle of a large butcher knife. He grabbed it and smiled. Obviously, they'd underestimated his tenacity, or they wouldn't have left weapons just lying around within his reach. He ran forward, timed his attack, and plunged the blade into Tessa's flesh just beneath one wildly swaying breast. 
Ted felt the blade sink deep, squealing across the woman's ribs. Tess screamed unintelligibly and thrashed with renewed vigor, swinging one meanie arm and nearly taking Ted's head off. He dodged at the last second, only receiving a glancing blow across his bicep. He pulled the knife from her chest and swung it in an arc, tearing a huge gash in Tess's arm. Her blood flowed freely, dripping to the floor and staining her clothing. Ten, you have to hurry this up, Julie panted. I can't hang on much longer. Just one more minute, Julie, please. One more minute. Tess spun and reached for the door, suddenly realizing the tables had been turned. She gripped the knob just as Ted speared her again. He buried the knife up to the handle just above her waist. Tess bellowed, babbling what may have been some form of crude speech. He pulled the knife from her as warm blood flooded over his wrist. Tess staggered and crashed against the door as Julie lost her grip and tumbled to the floor in a heap. The deformed monster turned and eyed Ted fearfully, clutching her fists and preparing one final charge. Before she could, he swung the blade high and dragged it across her face. A large flap of flesh dangled from her cheek. Her nose opened and exposed the dark, wet cavern of her sinuses. No, Tess blubbered. No. It was the only word Ted understood. Yes, he replied calmly. You did this to yourself. You and your fucked up family. He swung the blade again and opened a zipper in Tess's neck. A hot shower of blood fanned into the air, splashing Ted's face and raining onto his shirt. Julie slid away, leaving a trail of Tess's blood in her wake. The behemoth fell to her knees, shaking the entire room. She reached for Ted as he backed away, blood running from her neck wound in a torrent. Ted smiled as she quickly bled out. She fell on her face with a hollow thud as blood pulled around her. Her body shuddered once and grew still. Ted, Julie shouted, behind you. Ted gasped as fingers reached around his ankle. He looked down to see Kathy pulling herself across the floor. Her mouth moved, but no words came out. Why won't you fucking die, Ted thought. Cat got your tongue, Ted asked. The hate in Kathy's eye chilled his blood. He shook her clutching fingers from his leg and stomped on her hand, shattering the thin bones in her wrist. You asked for this, Ted said. You got exactly what was coming to you. He held the knife above his head and plunged it down, skewering Kathy's face with a crunch. The room stank of blood and shit, but was mercifully silent. Ted collapsed against the wall, chest heaving. He smiled at Julie and closed his eyes. That could have gone better. Are they dead? Julie asked, standing and brushing dirt from her sweaty skin. Ted nodded. Our biggest problem is what's going on outside. They're going to be here any minute, and I don't want to be around when they kick the door open. Ted tucked the knife into his waistband and crossed the room in two large steps. He looked at Susan, his throat constricting, his eyes burning with tears. Her exposed skin was covered in a layer of grease Ted identified as butter. Oh my God, he whined. They were going to cook her, just like those bodies in the yard. They were actually going to eat her. Julie nodded. Nothing here surprised her anymore. Susie, honey, are you okay? 
Ted patted her swollen cheek lightly. He wished Kathy and Tess were still alive so he could kill them again. He tugged at the rope binding her to the table and had her free within seconds, but it wasn't nearly as easy as bringing her back to consciousness. Whoever had been beating on her had done a hell of a job. Just carry her, Julie said. We can't wait around any longer. She was right. Their time had run out. Any minute the drugstore would be packed with them, and there was only one way that was going to end. Ted lifted Susan's motionless body from the table and nearly dropped her. It was like trying to carry a greased watermelon. She kept slipping through his fingers. He spied Susan's clothes nearby and hastily pulled them over her slick skin. He pulled a dirty sheet from the window and wrapped her in it as she moaned deep in her throat. Her eyes fluttered but remained closed. Julie, Ted called. Try to get the chicken wire off that window. It's the only way out. She nodded and pried at the wire with her bare fingers. Next to the metal table, she saw a small bench with an assortment of tools, ones she assumed were going to be used to prepare Susan's body for the feast to come. She grabbed a pair of rusty pliers, shuddering as she realized the rust was actually dried blood, and went to work on the window. One by one, she popped the nails free. She grabbed the loose corner in her hands and began tugging on it. Ted tossed Susan over his shoulder just as the last of the chicken wire fell to the floor with a clatter. I don't see anyone, Julie said. I think we're clear. Ted nodded and motioned her to the window. Go. I'll hand Susan out to you. Julie climbed through the opening into the weedy lot beside the building. Fat drops of chilly rain splashed on her skin and ran over her exposed breasts. Ted passed Susan's lifeless body through the window and Julie held her in a standing position, propping her against the side of the drugstore. Ted spotted a dusty towel lying nearby and grabbed it. Here, he said, handing it through the window. Wrap yourself in that. She smiled and took the towel, wrapping it around herself as best she could while holding Susan against the wall. Ted gripped the windowsill and began pulling himself through as the door flung open with a bang. Jack stood there puffing, his matted hair dripping from rain, his eyes full of hate. He saw Ted and smiled, growling through clenched teeth like a feral animal. I'm gonna tear you apart, he said. Jack stepped forward and tripped over Tessa's prone body, falling to one knee in the puddle of blood that had spread from beneath her corpse. No, Jack moaned. No, what did you do? What did you do to my family? Ted leapt through the window without a word. If there was any chance of surviving Jack's rage, it had evaporated the second he saw his wife and daughter bleeding out on the floor. Ted was fairly positive Jack wasn't used to losing, and he didn't want to stick around to find out. Outside, Ted grabbed Susan in one motion and tossed her over his back. Where'd we go? Back the way we came, Julie said. Through the yards, back to the road. If we follow the road out of town, the resort should be a few miles in that direction. We'll be safe there. They won't go anywhere near it. Ted nodded and slogged through the thick grass and mud. They went out the back, Jack bellowed. Don't let them escape. They killed my Kathy and Tess, Jack shrieked as he held Kathy's cooling body in his arms. Go, 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 Ted called to Julie. We're going to have company. They followed the path they'd created through the tall grass behind the row of houses, passing the cooking meat. 
Ted gazed into the empty windows, expecting to see the same pale faces watching him as they passed. But they were empty and dark. It didn't put him at ease. Quite the opposite. If anyone gave chase, they'd be sitting ducks. Maybe Julie could escape, but Ted would never be able to run while carrying Susan's extra weight, and there wasn't a chance he'd leave her behind. If it came to that, they'd die together. Ted heard heavy footfalls on the street out front and felt his hopes diminish. They were already pursuing, and they had the numbers to overcome them in seconds. This way, Julie waved. At the rear of the yard, Ted watched as Julie parted the brush and entered a path leading into the woods. He followed as she placed broken branches in front of the opening, partially blocking them from view. How did you know this was here? Ted asked. I saw the men use it once. They bring the remains here, the bones, the stuff they can't use. Bile rose in Ted's throat, imagining them carrying wheelbarrows full of skulls and dumping them in the tangled darkness. Lead the way, he said. As they crept down the path, the church bell suddenly stopped, the final loud bong echoing out over the town. Without it, Ted felt even more exposed. The sound had disguised their movement, but now they were at the mercy of the encroaching silence. Deeper and deeper they went, winding through the woods, trying to remain as quiet as possible. The shouting behind had become more distant. Ted shifted Susan's weight on his shoulder and grunted from the exertion. Julie left the path, pushed through the thick growth, and tromped through wet leaves scanning the area for something in particular. There should be a clearing down here somewhere she whispered. Do we really want to break cover? Ted asked. Isn't the point to stay hidden? I'm doing the best I can. Just try to keep up. I think we're close. Close? Close to what? You'll see. Just follow me. At least we have the dark on our side. It's always dark here. Their eyes are used to it. Just stop talking and follow me. After a few minutes where Ted thought they were hopelessly lost, Julie stepped through the bushes and brought them into a wide, circular clearing. Ted stopped and gasped, nearly dropping Susan as his legs threatened to buckle beneath him. They left one hell behind and walked right into another. The mound of human bones was at least twelve feet high. The jumbled pile stood in the middle of the clearing. Grinning skulls stared at them as they skirted the edge of the forest. Why would you bring me here? Ted asked. It's the quickest route to where we're going, she replied. Do you think I want to be here? I knew a few of these people, she said, pointing at the heap. I'm sorry, Ted muttered. I didn't know. No, you didn't, so just forget it. We have a little way to go yet. Where? The Triple Seven Motel. Let's get there first, and I'll explain everything. They left the human pile behind and followed what had once been a single road. The asphalt was cracked and broken and surrounded on both sides by thick pine trees. Ted had a million questions, but kept them to himself. Susan began to stir little by little. She tried to speak, but only managed scattered gibberish. Hold on, Susie. You're safe. Don't struggle or I'm going to drop you. Ted? She managed. Yeah, baby, it's me. Just hold on. They came to a battered metal gate and stopped. Julie crouched and looked through the trees, talking to herself under her breath. 
She stood and turned to him with a grin on her face. It's there, she pointed. Thank God it's there. What? You didn't know? I've heard about it. I just hoped we were on the right track. Put me down, Susan uttered. I can walk. Susan, just rest. You took a hell of a blow to the head. I know that. I was there, she groaned. Just put me down. Ted did as he was told, holding his arms around her waist as she shakily got her footing. She swayed back and forth before steadying herself, holding a hand to her swollen cheek and poking her tongue in the hole left by a missing tooth. It must have come loose after she blacked out. The vision in her right eye was blurred from the swelling. She looked around, saw Julie, and slowly looked up to Ted. Who is she? Where are we? In a minute, Ted said. We're not in the clear just yet. He looked through the trees and saw what Julie had been talking about. A large sign sat atop a metal pole. The 777 Motel. From their hiding space, the complex appeared utterly deserted. It looked like any other nondescript motel along the back roads of Pennsylvania. It was two floors and laid out in an L shape at the end of a large parking lot. Shingles had been blown from sections of the roof and lay scattered across the macadam. Several abandoned vehicles sat on rusted rims, surrounded by the sparkle of broken glass. One hung behind a burned-out tow truck, making Ted cock his head and look more closely. From this distance, he couldn't be sure, but it looked just like the Barracuda. It was impossible. The other cars appeared to have been sitting here for decades. The crash had just happened last night. Let's go, Julie said. Are you sure it's safe? No, I'm not sure of anything anymore, but it's the only idea I have right now. Ted nodded. It had to be good enough. Ted grabbed Susan's hand and walked around the gate. She was still unsteady on her feet, but she was giving it her all. He loved her, but he didn't miss the dead weight draped over his shoulder. Maybe this would give them a fighting chance. As they crossed the parking lot, Ted felt very exposed, but also very alone. If there was anyone tailing them, they were absolutely silent. He listened for the slightest sound, but heard only the incessant rain. The thunder had become more distant, but the sky still flickered constantly. Ted had always loved thunderstorms, but being hunted by cannibals during one certainly put a damper on things. They passed the burned tow truck and Ted stopped dead in his tracks. How was that possible? It was his cuda. He was sure of it. Same color, same year. The driver's side window was busted out. The nose crumpled in from where it had struck the tree. He circled the wreck and peered inside. It was unmistakably their vehicle. Ted felt lightheaded. Come on, Julie whispered. What are you doing? This is my car, he said. Julie shrugged and waved him over. It meant nothing to her. How could it? Ted kicked the rear tire with a grunt. The rubber was dry-rotted, the quarter panels coated in flakes of rust. It was theirs all right, but it looked twenty years older, not twenty hours. He shook his head confoundedly and walked over to meet Susan, who looked at him tiredly. She was just about done in. They needed to rest. Inside, Julie said. Ted wrapped his arm around Susan's waist as she looked up and smiled painfully. He'd never seen her so exhausted. I'm so sorry, baby, Ted said, rubbing a hand over her soggy hair.
I never meant for any of this to happen. Oh? Here I thought this was your idea of something special. I promise you, Ted said. We're never coming to Pine Lakes again. Thanks for listening this week. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Who's Afraid as much as we enjoy bringing it to you. Remember to come back next week or subscribe at SerialAudio.com so you never miss a new episode. You can learn more about this podcast and other serialized fiction shows by visiting our website at SerialAudio.com. That's all one word, SerialAudio.com, where you can subscribe to this and our other shows via RSS, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and all your favorite podcast players. While you're at it, if you're enjoying this podcast, we'd love it if you'd share it with your friends. Even better, if you have a few spare seconds, leave a review on iTunes. To help support this show, sign up as a patron at patreon.com slash serial audio. You'll get early access to episodes ad-free and special bonuses like behind-the-scenes author and narrator interviews. Thank you again from all of us at SerialAudio.com. It's totally binge-worthy.